As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be, he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Alright, here's a man born blind. What do the disciples want to know about him? Yes. Whose sin for him to be born blind? See, if if physical problems are a result of sin, and the man was born blind, it's a bit of a problem. You know, did the man sin prenatally? Or did his parents' sin affect him and, and cause him to be born blind? I mean, you, know, you got kind of a quandary there. What's Jesus' answer? Neither. You know, and he says the result of his, his being born blind was to display the works of God. You know, Jesus, I don't know that Jesus is necessarily saying that displaying the glory of God was the cause of his being born blind, but that's at least what that will lead to. It will be an occasion for God to glorify himself. I'm not sure that Jesus really answers why the man was born blind. Nor that we always know why those things happen. Josh. That's exactly right. It can be. Obviously, there are some physical afflictions that are a consequence of sin or even a punishment from sin. There's certainly occasions where that's the case. But it's not invariably the case. Not all sickness, disease, defect is a direct result of someone's sin. So. This mindset isn't anything new, but it hasn't, and it's been around very recent times too, uh, where people think that you know they must have done something wrong. In Job's time, it happened to him. But uh, you think this mindset might have come slightly from when Jesus told the paralytic, go and sin no more so nothing worse will happen to you? Well, I don't know that that's where this comes from. I think that statement and others indicates that sometimes physical defects do res are a result of sin. They're a consequence or a punishment for sin. That's true. I mean, think about it. I mean, somebody gets cirrhosis of the liver, why do they usually get it? You know, because their sin of alcoholism. You know, so I mean, you know, that happens. There are maybe some that are less direct, but still, sin can lead to to physical uh, problems. But we can't just reason the opposite direction. Here's a physical problem. So what sin caused it? Blake. I don't know if I understand the last part of this story. I mean, I understand the uh, talking about as far as night and day and just the significance of it, and things like that, but. I don't understand what it says when no one can work. Well, Jesus is just saying that there's urgency. You know, he says it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We need to work the works of God as long as day. The night's coming when you can't work. 
passage of time will remove opportunities, so we need to be busy doing the works of God, like healing this blind man. He's the light of the world now, um, and this incident will show Jesus the light of the world as he gives sight to the blind. So we need to have a sense of urgency. We know that there's a limited time opportunity to do the works of God. We need to do them while there's time. Roger. Yeah, I'm always afraid of that. Um, I don't know if I'm like this or in general, but I'm always afraid that if, if you don't do something, that opportunity might not be there in, in, in the future. And I don't know. I, I often think about it with people, but I don't talk, to, uh, preach the gospel to somebody. Does that mean that maybe in the next near future that they may not have an opportunity to, to get the gospel to it? I mean, and I, I think that's what we need urgency. Right? Amen. Yes. Ben. What's the connection to verses 4 and 5? It seems like verse 4 talks about we work as long as it's dead. And then verse 5, while, while I'm in the world, I'm out of the world. And then verse 4 is coming whenever. Is there a connection between verse 4 and 5? Maybe a little bit. I mean, Jesus is the light. When he's removed, the night comes. So there's a sense in which that's true. Although I think you know, Jesus is also saying we need to take advantage of the opportunities while we can. Um, I think also him saying he's the light of the world connects with his healing the blind man. Ben. The question we all need to ask ourselves is if we were told we need to be blind in order to glorify God, do you think that would You know, it's, it seems to kind of indicate, you know, they didn't do anything wrong, but rather he was born this way so that some years later Jesus could do this act and teach from these things. And, and in passages like this, you mentioned, you know, those in social sciences and our colleges think, I knew a teacher I had, and I know many of you probably have as well. These things infuriate people who are human. It's the story of Job. How could anybody go through that kind of suffering? And the thing is, they start with the, the proposition that that kind of suffering is just always terrible. Instead of saying, if someone was made to go through that kind of suffering, how worthy must the cause have been? And the truth is, God, and again, you look at it from the top-down perspective, God is worth going blind for. God is worth leaving your home and your family and your nets and whatever else for. God is worth giving up your life. Amen. Roger. But is, is that what he's saying in verse 3? Um, that because he's blind, that God is... Because I always thought it that way, that he's going to be... Like, his blindness, God is going to use it to glorify it. They might just be like, just to display like, is it displays the works of God in him that he's going to make him blind at the moment? I don't know. I was going to confuse the first. I think you're first. Uh, he's saying that his blindness is not because he sinned, not because his parents sinned, but what his blindness is going to do is give an opportunity for God's works to be displayed by Jesus healing him. Okay. So, in, in that instance, not like yes. in general, like, I don't know, does that make sense? Like, we can't just assume like, oh, you're blind. This is a good, a good opportunity for you know God to display His works on you. God didn't heal all the blind people. Ben. But see, in general, though, without healing, we can still display the glory of God through our patience, our trust, all those things. And I think even this blind man and his reactions and his rather simple faith in what Jesus did to him in the face of the conversation and, and the, the attacks that followed. He glorified God in that as well. Certainly. It's a different kind of thing, but it's still something that... Well, the worst thing that can happen to us when we turn to God and face that, that's a great glory that the world looks at and they say, why, why are they still happy? Why are they still trusting in their God? Even though this happened. And we have a great chance to show them
Good point. What do you mean by God's display? Well, it, this is a way that God is going to show himself to be God by healing the blind man. So, Jesus makes the clay of what he spat on the ground, puts it on his eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. That's interesting. It's like Jesus is the spiritual Siloam. He means scent. He is scent. So he sends him to the pool. The man obeys. And when he washes, he comes back seeing. Of course, it's interesting that washing also provides spiritual sight for us, just as this washing gave him sight. It's interesting how God has often acted. I use this illustration sometimes. That God has often used the water as a dividing line. In the days of Noah, water was the dividing line. The water of the flood was the dividing line between the old world that was corrupt and sinful and the new world that was pure and righteous. In the days of Moses, the water of the Red Sea was the dividing line between slavery and freedom. In the days of Elijah, Elisha rather, the water of the Jordan River was the dividing line between Naaman's leprosy and Naaman's cleanness. Here, water's the dividing line between the blind man not seeing and him having his vision restored. And for us, the water of baptism is the dividing line between being in sin and being saved. You know, so God's often used water as sort of a dividing line, as he does here. The man washes, he comes back seeing. Comments or questions through verse 7? Ben. Nothing comes to mind. Yes, David. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear exactly what you were saying about the end of verse 4. <coughs> well, other than the, like the surface of it, what were you saying that the application to us? Well, I think for us, too, we need to take advantage of the opportunities while we have them because the night's coming, our death is coming. You know, the end of time for us is coming. So if we're going to do some things, we've got to do them now. So you mean apart from Christ, that is the night? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, you know, the night was coming when Jesus was taken away, and for us, the night would be the end of our opportunity here on the earth. Okay. All right. Let's take a brief break, maybe 10 or 12 minutes, and then we'll come back. <laughs>